this good-looking, ravishing, loved-up couple sitting to the left of me go by the names of Christy and Ewan Blakey. They also answer to Pastor Christy and Pastor Ewan. And Ewan also goes by Dr. Ewan or Dr. <laughs> Pastor Ewan. And today is Which the I prefer, yeah, by the way. today is the final final instalment of our marriage series, which I think this is week four. And I've been talking about that over the past three weeks. And um, each week we've invited people to send through questions about marriage and relationships uh, to Christy's email. A whole bunch of questions have come through. And today we're going to answer those questions. Well, they are going to answer those questions. So, but before we get into that, we have a very important business matter to address, and that is the matter of who has won the $300 crown voucher, which oh should goodness. not be exchanged for roll. casino chips, okay? We Keep want it. you to come use up, it to have an overnight stay, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. had to be said. Oh, we're going to do yes, a drum roll. Drum roll. I feel okay. like we need it. So, I'll just give some context to the competition. First of all, so couples were asked to take a photo at that wall out there. Upload it to social media, use a particular hashtag to go into the running to win this crown voucher. The names of all the couples who have entered are in that bucket. They've been in a, uh, they've been in a lockdown in a vault. That's it. Waiting. Okay. We've had security involved so, to make sure there's no <laughs> cheating. Here we go. Ah, so and the winner is. Oh my God. Who is it? <laughs> Please, after the ad, it's we'll Aaron come back. It's Carolyn D. Oh, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So good, so good. Coming up, claim your prize. your prize. I've got to say, you guys, you put in the most effort as well. Did you have black eyeshadow under your eyes or something? <laughs> it was that real. That was real. <laughs> oh, wow. Come on up, guys. I feel like worthy recipients. Absolutely. Let's give them another big yeah, awesome. round of applause. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. How fantastic. Well done. Well done. All right, let's give them another round of applause, guys. Very deserving couple indeed. So good. I'm still a bit jealous, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I'll move on. Cool. So, yeah, like we said, a whole bunch of questions have come through. We're going to have a bit of a chat about those questions, so I'm going to throw them um, to Christy and you on one at a time. But, Christy, do you just want to tell us a bit about how this time is going to work? Yeah, so, hey, thank you everybody who submitted questions. It was really great having a good read through. Have you all enjoyed our marriage series? Yeah, yep. Are you all time. feeling like, okay, yes, I can do marriage again. I've got this somewhat. Anyone? Maybe? Okay, so <laughs> um, when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, everybody, the past is in the past. What's happened in the past? is in the past. If you've been divorced once or 31 times, you can start again any day because the future is full of hope, okay? So that's been the rules of this series. Um, And the other thing is is that obviously um, Yui and I aren't marriage counsellors. We're just people who are married (laughs) and (laughs) we have been married 17 years and we have a really good marriage. It's not perfect but it's good and so... We did some research into answering your questions and we're sort of speaking from the Bible this morning in our experience, but we're not professionals, okay? So um, this is not designed to cure all your, your marriage issues. If you do need 
um, marriage counsellors, then you should go and get that. That's a really important thing to get to make your marriage work. Can I hear a big amen on that? Amen. Okay. Over to you. Yeah, and I'll just throw in my two cents as well. I was reading in Deuteronomy yesterday about how... Um, reading in Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah. It's a good wow. book. As you uh, do. Just about how the elders... <laughs> How the elders would be gathered at the city gates, and if you needed if you needed godly advice and wisdom, or even if you needed someone to some godly people to mediate a dispute or an issue, you would go to those city gates where they would be waiting and gathered there. And I was just thinking about how in our society now things have changed. Social media, very busy. It's like where can you go these days to access godly wisdom and advice? And are people still willing enough to be open to kind of share what they're going through with others, you know, even here at church and throughout the week. And so I was kind of thinking that it's, you know, we've got nine questions that have been sent through, and I think it's really courageous that people have sent those through. And I feel like I'm kind of facilitating a conversation on behalf of people in the congregation. And I think that church is a place where we can come and access godly, divine wisdom and advice, um, not just here on a Sunday, but also throughout the week. Um, so yeah, even though we might have a bit of fun today, this is also a holy moment at the same time. Yeah. So, so good. um, Ewan, first question for you, what does a healthy Christian marriage look like? Ooh, okay. Start with an easy one, right? Um, by the way, we're, we're just kind of glossing through some of these things because, um, a lot of these questions are meaty, meaty questions. Um, so we're spending a couple of minutes... Oh, okay. So Christy just reminded me that um, I guess we'll be talking about sex a little bit in the in the discussion today. So if you've got kids that you don't want them to be uh, for these sort of things to be discussed in front of, then um, you can take them into kids' church. Um, nothing, um, nothing too frightening, but uh, <laughs> that that reminder's there out for you guys. So what's a healthy marriage? Um, spend a couple of minutes and uh, refreshing by the way um, the podcasts of this series are available so go to uh, look up Oasis Church Perth um, on the iTunes um, podcast site um, and you can recap in the last three weeks because we have covered some of these subjects so if you want to go back please avail yourself of that opportunity Um, anyway so what's a healthy marriage well I guess the first thought that, that came to me, because I think sometimes we picture like the perfect marriage, you know, and it's going to be one where, you know, you never fight and you never argue. Um, but that to me is not a healthy relationship. I think you've got two very different people that have come together as one and you're going to have disagreements because you're two different people. You've got two different points of view. And so what's healthy is learning to discuss those things, you know, in an emotionally healthy way where you're actually fighting for uh, you know an agreement you're fighting for resolution you're not fighting one another you're sort of battling it out because i want to get one over that person Um, i want to beat that person in this particular argument because i feel like that i've been hard done by and so this time no i'm going to win this one like that's obviously not what we're talking about but we are disagreeing and talking through things in an emotionally healthy way to find resolution so um, that's definitely one very important factor the other thing that I would say is in a Christian marriage, it's really important that you, both of you as individuals are putting God first. Um, you know, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your, all your strength. So if we are both putting God first, we get, we get the balance right. Because one thing that um, you'll notice 
it can be really dysfunctional when um, couples, either one of them is idolizing the other person. And they're, they're like putting them up on a pedestal and they're, they're thinking they're amazing and, and awesome. And obviously at some point that grinds to a halt when they discover that they've got feet of clay. They discover that they're actually just human beings. Um, so we're not talking about that. But if we can get the balance right where we put God first and then um, we put our relationship second. And then after that, if you've got kids, kids come next. The other dysfunctional we see is when, um, when one or the other of us are just idolizing our kids we're putting our kids up on a pedestal or their needs and they're more important than this relationship here for it to be solid and to be healthy um, this thing has to be tight it's got to be a really valuable thing before the kids Um, another sort of important factor for health good health is good healthy sexual relationships so that part of your relationship should be regular and should be healthy and we'll talk about that side of things in in a little second too um and I just talked about, you know, healthy conversations. So, you know, learning to be good communicators verbally, and especially for the guys, you know, we've got to learn to express in, in, a, you know, in a, a healthy way what's going on in the inside rather than letting it come out as bursts of anger or, or just not wanting to speak Grunts. at all. Grunts, you know, um, huffing and puffing, all of those sort of negative <laughs> body languages. Um, so, yeah, there we go, Joel. There's, uh, there's some hallmarks of a healthy Christian marriage. Yeah. Great. This is an interesting one. So I think on the second week of the marriage series, you preached a little bit, Christy, about submit and sacrifice. Um, So this question then is related to week two, and it's can the roles of submit and sacrifice be reversed? Yeah, great question. So if you were here week two, um, I spoke a lot about um, wives, submit to your husbands as you would to Christ, husbands, Love your wives the way Christ loves the church. And when we do that, it creates this perpetual cycle of honouring each other and wanting to submit, wanting to sacrifice. And it's how a marriage works. And also that that's a picture of how Christ loves us. So the question is, well, can wives sacrifice and can husbands submit? And the answer is absolutely yes, of course. If you go to Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes into wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives sacrificially. So the goal of marriage is not submit sacrifice as much as it is become more like Jesus and love the way that he loves. Um, And I love this scripture, Romans 12, 9 to 11. It says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. And this part especially, honour one another above yourselves. So that's what a marriage should look like. It's just the act of honouring each other, of humbling yourself. Um, And so in that, I think it's um, be prepared to be flexible. Be prepared to not be the one to choose what you watch on Netflix tonight. Be the one um, to be flexible about what you're having for dinner. Be the one to be flexible about being the first to apologise or the first to admit when you're wrong, maybe, not, maybe when you're not even wrong. But I think um, in that honouring one another, there has to be a flexibility that comes or maybe even be prepared to be the one who loses out a little bit more. Yep. 
as much as we hate that, hey, um, the losing thing. But uh, it, it really paves the way for a healthy relationship. You, sometimes, you know, oh, but I was right, you know, but, you know, because you know the facts. The facts all stack up that I was the one who was right. I think if you stand, if you're willing to battle it out to win that little fight, you, you end up losing in the long run for the health of the relationship. So you do have to be willing to, to take a few hits, so to speak, and not always be right, because um, rightness is some, you know, a very loose thing sometimes. And, you know, if you're particularly competitive, I know that's a challenge. Um, but honestly, in the long run, for the health of the, the marriage, it's good to kind of... And not acknowledge you, oh, by the way, I'm really right, but for this time, I'm going to let this one slip. That's, <laughs> not, that's not actually what I'm talking about, hey. Um, but, yeah, be willing to do that is so important. Um, this one's really an interesting one as well. I really like it. So um, we've been married 26 years. How do we keep fighting for it to be good? Yeah. Wow. That's a good question and harder for, for me to comment. We've got 17 years under our belt and we're going strong. And I've got to say that for 17 years, it just keeps getting better and better. Like I'm more, I feel like I'm more in love with Christy now at 17 years than even when we first got married and the honeymoon and the passion of love. So it does get better. And I'm sure that those of you who've been married for a long time can, can agree with me. But 26 years is a significant amount of time. And, you know, for anything that you're doing. Um, so I've been a vet for over 20 years now. And I know there's part of, part of my job that I just don't enjoy anymore. It's like, oh, you know, I've got to do this again. You know, I've got to squeeze a dog's anal glands again. Um, <laughs> for many of you, the first time would be enough to... Um, it's, but you know, there's, there's parts of what we do over a long period of time that you just can get jaded by or can get stale. Um, so with marriage, for, as with anything, um, we're not necessarily talking about you know, dysfunction. We're not talking about it being bad or you know, hurtful or anything like that. It's just like the, the routines of life and it's just kind of got to a point where it's kind of just okay. Like it's not bad, but it's just okay and you're just going through the motions of life. Um, and, and I think that, you know, because God designed marriage, I think it's designed to be something special. It really is. And whether it's, you know, one year, 20 years or 60 years, you know, it's designed to be wonderful every single week, every single month. Um, so it's worth fighting for is what I'm trying to say. It's worth working at. Um, and one thing that can really help a relationship that's kind of got a little stale perhaps or a little into the rut, into the monotony of life, um, is to just do something together that you haven't done before. Um, so, you know, I know that as time goes by, husbands and wives, you get into routines, you get into your little hobbies, things that you enjoy doing on your own. Um, and that gives you an outlet, that's a relief and it's something that you really enjoy. Um, but I'm not talking about that because, you know, that's your little outlet that the other person doesn't necessarily have an investment in. Um, but if you can find something to do, it doesn't have to be all the time, but something that you do together, like a little adventure um, that puts you on your toes for, for the first time, that gets you a little bit scared, that gets you doing something that's brand new for the both of you, that has an, a, a way of bonding you, bringing you together. So as, just an, as an example, Christy and I got to go on this wonderful holiday recently. We were, in, we were on this island and um, we found out that there was underwater cave there called the Blue Grotto or the Italians say, uh, what are they, what's it called again? Uh, Grotto Azura. Grotto Azura. If I roll my R's properly. <laughs> um, anyway, this, 
this underwater cave and it was kind of illegal so you weren't supposed to swim in it and we just thought let's just do it let's go swim in this cave so we had to wait till you know all the the mafioso had left so they were the ones guarding the cave and we went in the afternoon when so everyone had left and um, it was kind of scary because the swell was up. But we went swimming in this cave together and it was one of the most fun things that we've ever done. It was this great um, op- you know, memory that we had. There was no photos taken. So it was just kind of this special thing that we got to share together um, that no one else has done. Um, and that really helped to bond us together and bring something really special into our marriage, into our relationship. So it doesn't have to mean spending money or going to the island of Capri to have a holiday, but... Um, you know, just doing something that's unique um, it might require a little bit of planning, but it's really special uh, for the longevity of your marriage. And how would you, I guess, coming back from Europe, um, how would you like, because you're both busy in your roles, not only pastoring the church, from time to time you still do a bit of teaching, primary school teaching, relief teaching, Christy, Ewan, I mean, you're going to another level now um, with your, your work situation. How can, like, what sort of strategies are you putting into place to make sure that you're not passing ships in the night and, you know, you're still keeping that love alive? Yeah, that's a really good comment. And we're going to, I guess, touch on that in a sec too, I think, with our date night talk. But, yeah, Christy, why don't you that He just in. threw that one in there. So um, I think just being super intentional about it. I think um, when you have really busy lives, and a lot of us do, you have to prioritise marriage. You have to be intentional about it. Just assuming that you're going to get time to spend, I think, is naive. You have to plan it out. So that's what you and I do. We plan out our dates. We, I mean, even like we're looking through our diary this morning thinking, okay, we're about to speak on date night. We better actually plan one. So um, looking through our diary, oh, can't see anything this week. Oh, can't see anything next week. So, you know, for us it might be two or three weeks' time, but we've got it locked away in our calendar and no one else is going to have that time. That's, that's our time. So I think... Being super intentional about it is really important when you're busy people with children as well. Yeah, and I would, um, you know, be aware of your own emotions. Like if you're starting to feel like a little bit of resentment creeping in or hurt about the other person because you're just not getting that time together, um, you know, say something about it, talk about it. Um, And look, I'm terrible at planning. I'm not a planner. I'm just the opposite of that. So um, I really rely heavily on Christy being able to do that but I've got to you know make sure that I pay attention to those things because even though it might seem a little contrived oh you know we're planning a romantic time but honestly unless you do that you don't actually get the the time to be spontaneous together Um, especially like you said when you're busy yeah and if you are ever wanting to go out for a romantic dinner you don't need to use the internet or an app you can just go to Mike and Nate uh, Mike and Nate Blakemore because they have they are just like a walking thesaurus of what restaurants are good so from time to time I go hey what's my next place and we just go there so um, so we might have covered it a little bit but um, what does a good date night look like I really like this question um, I love date night. Date night is like the highlight of my week or month. Um, I think the purpose of date night is to bring you close. So last week, Ewan talked about the tuning fork. What is a tuning fork? What note does it play? Can it play any? Uh, Usually A. A. So Ewan talked about when you hit a tuning fork and it plays A, if you bring another tuning fork close to it, it will also start vibrating in A. So they start playing the same note once they come close together. I just love that. And I think that is actually the purpose of our date night, that we harmonise 
our hearts together again. We play the same tune. Um, and in Amos 3.3, it says, Can two walk together except they agree? So it's coming back together in agreement. Oh, yeah, I like you. You like me. This is where we're going. Um, you're in a relaxed setting. So that's the purpose of a date night, that you walk together. And I think good essentials of a date night is that you focus back in on your common goals. That's a really harmonising thing to do. Okay, these are our common goals. Are we, are we going that way? Is it all good with us? Are, we, are they still our common goals? And then I think another part is that you relax so that you can bond. So not talking about things that are challenging or that create anxiety. Probably not good for a date night because that's not relaxing and it's not going to help you to harmonise and find those common goals. And also, as, as you and already touched on, I think good communication is pretty essential for a good date night. Um, so I think... Yeah, date night is about coming together and harmonising so you can leave that place and then go and tackle the world's problems. I think date night shouldn't necessarily be a place where you tackle the world's problems, but it's more about coming together and then you're fit and capable and able to tackle the world's problems when your instruments are in sync. You're synchronised again with your hearts. Um, I think you can talk about anything on your date night. I think actually talking about children is quite a good thing because it's something that you're both passionately invested in and so it helps that harmonising process again. However, if they're stressing you out, I don't know, maybe maybe avoid them for the night. But, you know, anything goes for a date night. Just don't bring them on the date night. Just don't bring them. <laughs> Leave them with somebody. Um, I would say a good date night includes no phones or having a no scroll rule. I think you put your phone on silent and if you've got a babysitter, well, leave it face up or maybe face down and check it every few minutes. But have a no scroll rule um, for phones because I think giving each other your undivided attention is going to help that harmonising process happen. Um, and I think if there's energy to spare at the end of the night and you're not too tired, then Always. wink, wink. <laughs> you know, that, that could be a good end to the date night. You talk about watching my TV favourite part of the day. Yeah, watching TV. <laughs> Hot Milo. <laughs> and a bicky. Um, I think a good date night doesn't have to cost money. I think, you know, you can be creative. If you're in a season where you actually don't have a lot of cash, then be creative about what you do. Um, you and I, we used to, in the summer, we go to the beach um, for a sunset swim on a hot night and that has actually been one of our most favourite date nights ever um, because something a little bit different and the weather's warm and, you know, the dopamine's flowing and so that's a really good free date night or, or a picnic at a park. That's a really nice thing to do which doesn't have to cost the earth, you know. So there are creative things that you can do to have a good date night. Yeah, and I'll just flow on from that. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you're... You in, in every relationship, sometimes like you feel like you've got nothing to say. Like you feel like, well, what do we what do we talk about? Um, so I found something the other day. It's from the it's called the Gottman Institute, and they have a website. There's loads of information about marriage. They've done research on marriages for many many years. They do have a, a have an app, and um, they've got a bunch of questions there, just sample questions that you can ask one another. So if you're feeling like, what are we going to talk about? Um, ask open-ended questions of one another, things that don't have yes or no answers, but actually cause you to actually think about your life, think about your future, what, what you're loving, what you're not loving, um, just to kind of tease out and begin the conversations 
um, about where you're at, like exploring how you're feeling right down deep. Well, I love that. Yeah. So um, this question is, what are some of the signs that a marriage is in trouble? Yeah, okay. So um, this is, the, I guess, the opposite of what a healthy marriage would look like. You know, what, what are some of the warning signs? Um, and I, I guess the picture in my mind is like, you know, the red lights on your dashboard. Um, just funny story. I, um, when I first got, I got a car and I was driving, it was a work car in the UK, got given this car and was like, I didn't have to, all I had to do was put petrol in it. Like about a year later, this red light came up. It was an oil light. And I was driving. I was down in Cornwall. I was driving. There's something wrong with my dashboard because this is a, it's actually a faulty light. That's the way that I saw it. And it started making this clattering sound. And the engine, I took it into the mechanic and he opened the oil and the smoke started to waft up. And he goes, oh, gee, just about ruined the engine. So you do have to pay attention to the warning lights when they come on. Um, but... Warning lights are really like the last thing that goes. When the warning light's gone off, um, then there's been a whole lot of time where things haven't been going well to get to the point where that light's actually flashing. So um, I'm just going to throw out a few um, examples of things that are like red lights uh, in your marriage. So you stop communicating. Um, you find that there's an uneasy truce, like you're, you're willing to, to do things in public together, but you're not actually... Um, you, you're kind of pretending. Um, you're coexisting instead of having that actual heart connection. Um, one or both of you have withdrawn, so you can't be bothered anymore. So somebody's just pulling back. I can't be bothered entering into these conversations anymore. I'm just going to, you know, check out. Um, you're fighting all the time. Maybe now it's just escalated to just fighting in front of the kids. You, you stop caring about who's there. Um, body language, things like eye-rolling, sniping or bickering. Um, obviously, the sex life is, is ground to a halt or very rare. Um, you're finding enjoyment or relief when you're actually getting time on your own instead of actually being together. Um, spending more and more time at work as an excuse. So you don't actually have to be at work, but you're deciding that you have to put in those extra hours because you don't want to be at home. Um, more and more time investing yourself emotionally with... Um, your friends. So you're, you're sharing your deepest thoughts and, and experiences or feelings or whatever emotions are going on with friends of yours. And, and maybe even, you know, friends of the opposite sex, work colleagues. Um, if you are investing emotionally into those relationships instead of sharing them with your husband or your wife, um, taking each other for granted. Here's a couple of, a few more body language things that um, you might notice that you're not holding hands anymore. Um, or the, the distance, the physical distance between you is starting to, to get wider and wider. Um, there was a, uh, one that I read that said when couples are together, they walk in time. So when you're walking along, you're walking in time. And I was thinking, man, when you've got kids, somebody's got the pram, somebody's got the, the nappy bag, someone's got the toddler. There's no way you're going to be walking in time. Um, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like when you're when you just got just the two of you and you're walking, is one kind of walking behind the other or are you walking together? Um, but other behaviours like smirking, so don't smirk, that's a, that's a warning sign. Um, patting each other on the back. So instead of going in for the hug, you just, oh, how are you going? You know, that's not a good sign. Sarcasm, mimicking one another. Those sort of things are not healthy. Uh, crossing arms. Um, 
interrupting one another in a conversation instead of actually listening to what that person has to say. So there's some, uh, some, some warning red light dash um, indicators that something's not right. Yeah. Um, you and you'll enjoy this because we're getting on to one of your favourite topics now. It's about sex. Fantastic. So, um, so you, Chris Remember, it's a hobby. It's not, <laughs> uh, it's not a professional skill. So, <laughs> Thanks for glowing. Professional yeah. skill. That came out wrong, didn't We'll just it? remove that from the podcast. <laughs> we'll edit that out. So um, anyway, so how does a husband both? This is for you, Christy. How does a husband both fulfil his need for sex and honour his wife with a request for it? Yeah, I really liked this question. It came in from, from a man, obviously. How does a husband both fulfil his need for sex but honour his wife with the request? And I love that that man actually asked that question. Like he's not demanding it. He wants to know how can he honour his wife with the request. I love that. And I want to say real quick that. Men, women actually do love sex. You might think that they don't, but actually they do. It's just that the planets have to be aligned, the fine print has to be read, the checkboxes need to be ticked, and you have to have put out the trash, and then we might think about it. And there's a 30-second window. <laughs> so we do actually really like it. That's the truth. Um, but but just really quickly, because we're running out of time, how can you honour your, your wife in that request? Um, if she's busy, she's likely to be very distracted by her work list. I know that's the case for me. So if you want to honour her um, in your request, then help her to complete her to-do list. Hang out the washing or fold the washing and you might catch a window of her time. Women are motivated by words. So start using kind ones. It starts in the morning with a kind word and a kiss on the cheek. If you start your day that way, men, then you might get lucky later that night. Um, we are listen, we're very motivated by what we hear. Just one harsh word will turn my heart away. And I'm like, well, you know, a couple of days maybe, mate. Um, Penalty box. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And now we've got to wait for the planets to align again. But... Um, we're also, women are also very motivated by affection. So if you treat your wife like a flower, she's going to blossom in, in your affection and you're going to get the best of her. So we love affection, but we like for affection to not always turn into sex. Sometimes we just like to hold hands. Sometimes we like a nice pash and it just be a pash, you know, not turn into something else. So there's just a few things. Oh, here's another quick tip. Um, pelvic thrusting to your spouse and going, hey, how about it, is really not a turn on. That's not going to work for you. So kind words, affection... Helping her with her to do very specific <laughs> comment. Not that I would. Yeah. That's not me, by the way. I that never do that. That comes from experience. <laughs> Just it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not working for me. Sorry. I saw that in the movies once. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for them either. So, did you have anything to? Add to um, uh, no, no, that's well, good. maybe that's you great. could just we've got a follow-on question, so um, yeah, we're yeah. almost out of time, so okay, we can't miss this one though. Okay, how often should a married couple have sex? Great question. Um, <laughs> this is his obviously, question of obviously, the it's a guy question as well because guys want to know like what's what's normal because if it's less than the average, they've got something to say to their missus about. Oh, come on, we've got to keep up the national average. Um, and if they're, if they're more than the average, they can strut their chest down. Oh, yeah, we've got to go on out. So um, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, a guy question. But um, seriously, there are obviously lots of 
studies have been done on this sort of thing and um, the average does, does vary, but it's somewhere between uh, two or three times a month down to um, two or three times a week. Um, and so it's, I mean, we always like to know what normal is, but it, there's a lot of factors that go into play. For example... You know, um, men reach their sexual peak much younger. They're probably in their early 20s, maybe even teenagers when they're, they're just really r- raging. Um, whereas women probably reach their sexual peak more like in their 30s or 40s. So there's a difference then um, between men and women as to you know, their age. That has obviously has a part to play. Um, and there's also the individual sex drive of a person. So, you know, not all men are just always horny. Not all women are just don't want to have sex at all. Oh, my gosh, that just happened in church, everybody. <laughs> What's that? Just matter, keep going. The horny word. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a rude word. Um, Depending on s- where you sit. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's obviously a variety, and so it's important to understand between you like you know where your needs lie and where your desires lie and so um if for example just to kind of give give men and women perspective um it's obviously if if a guy's always that one person's always asking wanting sex and they're being turned down then that feels like rejection and that feels hurtful um but on the other side um for for that person who's always being asked they feel like it's pressure and they feel like um, I'm always having to live up to this expectation. That, that can be equally as hurtful. So that can start a spiral of things not working out uh, in the bedroom. So it's really important actually to, to talk about this between yourselves, like to have a conversation and not right, right when you're ready to, tr- you know, to have sex and be turned down and, oh, this never happens and blah, 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 blah. And that's not going to be a healthy conversation, but maybe a good question for date night is that let's talk about our sex life and not in an accusational way, but like, how do you think we're going and, you know, how can we do better? Um, because these are the things that I really need and, you know, then you can have a, hopefully an open conversation about it. I think it's seasonal as well. Like there are seasons in life where um, you have a lot of sex and then there are seasons where you don't have very much at all. And it can also depend on having children. Like I know for me, when you um, pregnant, that, that's for some, that's great. Um, for, for others, it's really not great. Um, when you're breastfeeding, things like that, that's an inhibiting factor. So if you're in the throes of having little children, like maybe that's not um, going to be a season where you have as much as maybe you did when it, there was just the two of you and you, you didn't have any children. And I think that's okay too. I think it's a seasonal thing. Um, and I do want to say um, get to date night. When I was at my GP um, a couple of weeks ago, I asked her, I said, you know, do you, what, how many women are happy with their sex life? I just was curious about this question and we've got a great relationship, her and I. Um, so I asked her that question and she said, oh, Christy, I'd say 80% of women aren't happy with their sex life. And I was like, no, 80%? Are you, are you sure? Like, that's a very high statistic. And she was like, oh, yeah, 80, 80%. Um, and so prompting us to really examine this date night that we're having because it's actually all about um, putting the spice back in your sex life. And I've read the questions that Dr. Wirakun is coming with and it made me blush. I was like, oh, my goodness, are we really going to talk about this stuff? But really, um, 
sex is an integral part of marriage and to to not have a good one is really harmful to your marriage. So I think if you are struggling in that area or if you've got question marks over that area, then you really want to get along to date night and hear what she's got to say and be involved in a conversation with your spouse because if it really truly is 80%, then that's way too high. Yeah, and that probably would reflect in the church. Every statistic that I've ever read, it seems to be the same in and out of church. So those things are definitely worth talking about. Yeah. You know, sex is a great way of getting those those tuning forks to vibrate together, to work together. Um, it, it's, you know, the world talks about sex as like, you know, how to do this and do that. And it's all kind of very mechanical, but it's not about that at all. It's actually about two people emotionally connecting. If you're emotionally connected, then you have a really healthy sex life. Um, so it's really important that you connect and everything else will flow on pretty naturally, I would say. We have some friends that call it spiritual warfare and uh, it really is actually that. So, you know, if someone calls and you're busy, you're just engaging in spiritual warfare right now and hang up. I'll call you later. <laughs> Over to you, JC. We might have to, to wrap it up. What do you say? Yeah, so if we didn't get to your question, we've got, we've got the answers written down for you. So, um, so come and see us after and uh, we've run out of time this morning. We hope that was a little bit helpful. Can, yeah. they're, still, they're still reeling, I think, by the... Uh, <laughs> can we, so can we just put our hands together, not only for Chrissy and you and taking the time to answer those questions, Thank you. but Thank also you. for people who submitted those questions. So, yeah, that's great. Okay, so um, I just want to pray for us all right now. I'm just going to wrap up. Um, so why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads. And musicians, if you could come back to the stage, it would be so good to have you. Um, this marriage series has been so good and, you know, just preparing messages each week has really helped us think things through and I really hope that you've got something out of it. But I just thought it would be really good to end today praying for your marriages. So why don't we just close our eyes and, and bow our heads this morning. And also just wanting to offer the invitation that if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour this morning and you want a marriage full of hope and you want a marriage full of promise and a marriage full of peace and a marriage that has God at the centre where all things are possible. And I just want to invite you right now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed just to lift your hand so that only I can see and I'd love to be able to pray with you this morning. Okay, let's just pray this morning over our marriages. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of marriage. I just pray right now for every, every single person in the room, God, that you would keep them until the time is right. Lord, that you would cover them and protect them. Father, that they would have good goals to be with someone who loves you, someone who's yoked with you like they are. Father, I just pray for protection over their body, soul and spirit, that you would guide them and lead them to that person that would be good for them. And Father, I pray right now over every married couple. 
Father, and I ask right now for your grace, more grace, more grace, more grace, more grace for good conversations, more grace for better intimacy, more grace to do married life in a way that shines Christ's light to those around us. And Father, for those of us who are single in the room and and are never going to get married again, Father, I just want to pray that you would use them mightily right where they're at. Lord, that just because some of us aren't married doesn't make us any less. Father, your desire to use us as a single person or as a married couple is not bias. You love us all the same and you want to use us all the same. Father, for those of us who are dating or engaged, Lord, I pray your special hand of protection over us in that place, Lord God, that we would be wise, that we would tread carefully, that we would honour the other person deeply in this season of transition. But Jesus Christ with you, In our life, our relationship should be the healthiest on earth. Teach us, show us how to honour our brothers and sisters above ourselves. Show us how to sincerely love. Even right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come and rest upon everyone. that we wouldn't be self-seeking. But we would prefer others. Help us to do that. Help us to do that, God. In Jesus' name, amen.